Hi, and welcome to H&B Conversations with Cosmo and Rivka. Hey, everybody. Hope you've had a great week and had a great Sukkot. And uh, we are uh, glad to be back with our podcast. And we're going to open with our uh, international greeting. Were we not doing you said we're welcome. We're welcome back to the podcast. Well, it's been a week. Oh, okay. I was like, did we take some sort of saying, hiatus that yeah, I didn't know about? I was just saying something. Okay. All right. So the word for this week is from. Uh, it's in Bengali, which would be Bangladesh, and I believe it's pronounced Namaskar. 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 I'm gonna go with you on that. I don't know, but I believe you. And so, what's the? What's the, what are the? Well, Bangladesh, yeah, well, Bangladesh is, is in South Asia. It's actually kind of, it's just to the, um, uh, to the east of India, kind of northeast of India, um, south of Tibet, that area, uh, southwest of, of, um, China. And uh, I read here that it is the eighth most populous, uh, country and it is among the most densely populated countries with a population of around 200 million people in an, in an area that's 57,000 square miles. So, yeah, that makes me wonder. We don't hear much about that. We hear a yeah. lot about India. Well, I always heard I remember hearing years ago that Bangladesh was actually one of the poorest countries in the world. Um one of the poorest? One of the yeah, one of the some of the most poverty most impoverished in the hmm. world. So I'm curious, how many square miles is the United States? Because if they have 200 million people in, uh, we have, they have 200 million people in 57,000 square miles. We have 330 million people in 3.7 3.8 million square miles. They have 57,000 square miles, it says. We have 3.8 million. Hmm. It's like $57,000 versus $3.8 million. So it's a we... big difference. We have a lot of land with just a little bit, just about a third more of the people than Bangladesh. Right. They are squeezed in tight. I wonder how they got that many that fast. Well... Well, I don't know that it's fast. <laughs> I know how that happens. Well, no, I know that as well. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at that whole region, right? I mean, you have over a billion people in China to their north. You have over a billion people in India to the southwest. So, I mean, there's there's a massive... Like that whole part of the world is just very populated. Is very populated. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about one quarter of the world's population is in those two countries. Wow, that's yeah, that's that's a tight squeeze. Yeah. Mm. So, but if you were to say hello to any of those two hundred million Bengali people, how would you say it again? Namaskar. Namaskar. So that's a useful word. I'm probably totally butchering it, but that's what it. That's. It that's didn't even the, give me a pronunciation, so I'm assuming that's the way you. That's say the way it, it transliterates, right? Mm. All right. Okay, so we <clears throat> are ready for our first question of the day. All right. Um, let me spin the wheel. Okay, it's almost done. <laughs> and the question is, um, as you grow older, what is one quality that you hope to grow stronger in? As we grow as older. As I grow older, what is one quality that I hope to grow stronger in? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy, I really... Um, I hope to grow stronger in, um, I would, I would combine it with, boy, there's so many qualities, obviously wisdom, but, but I think a wisdom that's displayed. I mean, wouldn't you want to grow older with like a lot of qualities? A number of qualities, right? I mean, there's so many. I mean, if you had to pick one, that means like the other ones are not. Yeah. So I'm looking for a big, so wisdom is sort of all encompassing in many ways because this is a quality correct i would think it's a quality right is that what the question said uh, yeah i think so is, i mean for me i would think of a kind of empathy and kindness like as i get older i hope to become not less kind and less empathetic but i hope to become more 
understanding, more aware. I guess for me though, it, what's the definition of a quality? Is that a is that a, a character trait? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. A good one. Right. Clearly, I mean, you certainly don't want your negative qualities getting better. You'd be going in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, It's hard to pick one. There's so many that I'd love to get better. Right. So many of them. But I think what I would would really like to grow in is a more natural uh, concern and understanding for people for where they're at. So, you know, sometimes when you get older, it seems like we, like historically, you know, I I think of Dennis, the menace, his neighbor, you know, Mr. What's his name? Let's see, you remember Mr. Get Off My Lawn kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I, I know you're talking about, but then, no, I, uh, Wilson. Mr. Wilson, thank you. That would have been so driving I was going to say, I have no idea, I don't remember, and all of a sudden and I heard just, Dennis the Menace in my head going, Mr. Wilson. Yeah, so I don't want, you know, characteristically, the uh, the the stereotype is that as we get older, we get grumpier, right? That we get angrier. Well, some people do. Some people don't. Some people do get kinder and softer, like life kind of wears you down in a sense like like the sandpaper of life right Uh, and so um people can get it's not that they get better they just kind of get softer more understanding kind of like well you know this is sort of what happens and that there are those people that seem to forget what it is to be um i guess it's just how life affected them they forget what it was to be a kid they forget what it is to struggle they they see themselves in their past as having been like like they know they weren't perfect, but they think they were certainly better than anybody today. In this generation kind right. of thing. Yeah, and so I guess what I hope is that as I get older, that the experience that comes with getting older, with the, the all the experience of life would give me a perspective um, that would put things in their proper place, that I'd be able to see things not as not being a prisoner of the moment, um, but that so so in particular where that really matters is in the way that we deal with one another and and so that i hope to have relational wisdom so that i would in in increasing measure then so that I, I think of empathy i think of being able to understand to recognize where someone's at and to to recognize their feelings and what they're going through and then to respond to that in a in a kind way i would love that to become a more natural quality Mm. in me as i get older that'd be nice i mean those (laughs) i mean that's a good quality to have is what i'm saying um for me i think it would just be self-discipline just because i have a really hard time um with that like i just there's so many things that i want to do and i go and do them but when it comes to myself or taking care like exercise or food or you know i'm like i'm gonna do it like this and I don't know. I would just, I would like to actually grow with self-discipline. And like to follow, like the discipline to follow through. With myself. Yeah. With myself. I do it for other people. Sure. I do it for my kids. I do it for us. I do it for, you know, if people need anything, I just tend to not do it for myself. Yeah. And so I would like to do that better as far as like, you know, there, there are people that are like, well, I need to be a priority or it's, there's that whole, you know, if you were on a plane and when something happens, you put your air, you put your mask on first and then you put on whether it's your child's or someone else's mask. And I've been told that like forever, like, you know, you need to make sure that you're taking care of you, but that's just, it's just not a thing that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. So I would like the self-discipline to be better at caring for myself. Yeah. I think that's good. I mm-hmm. think those are good qualities to have. Sure. All yeah. right. So yeah, may we That was an easy answer. May we may we increase in those qualities as we may age. May we, yes. May we age. Yeah, aging is good. <laughs> aging is good. It means we're, we're not still alive. stop aging. Yeah. Exactly. May right. we age with wisdom, with kindness and discipline and empathy. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. We have another question because that was really yep. easy to answer. Here we go. I'm spinning. All right. The wheel is a turning. <laughs> and that's exciting stuff, Antonio. All right. You both grew up in believing homes, but how old were you when you gave your life to the Lord? And what was that like afterwards with your daily life? Oh, my goodness. 
Did we answer this question? No. We've, we've, not, we've never answered this question. We've answered so many questions now, and I feel like sometimes they're similar to one another that I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, I think in many ways we probably, in well, I guess so many when we were arenas ta- of our lives, we've told this aspects of this sure. story. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll let you go first. Oh, no. You can go first. You, you, I got to think because I think I've probably okay. gotten saved I don't know how many times, <laughs> honestly. Honestly, uh, like I remember it was. Yeah. I can recall um, being four years old at Coleman Assembly of God in Coleman, Florida, and going up to the front and singing, Into my heart, into my heart. Come into my. She's hurrying me up. Well, Lord I, Jesus, you just don't need to sing the whole song. Like we get it. Oh my gosh. Come into okay, stay. Cosmo. And so I remember, and I gave my heart to the Lord, and and um and prayed that prayer, and um and then I I, you know, I was baptized uh, when I was ten, and filled with the Holy Spirit, and baptized in the Holy Spirit that same year, and then um we, when I was eleven. A combination of things happened. We we changed churches, and um, and you fell away from God, and it we just did. Well, took thirty years to bring you back. That's what it sounds like. It's like you're when I was eleven. No, listen, I was eleven, and and um, and we were in a really good church, and we changed churches, and I was re- we went from we went from a really dynamic church to one that was in our little town because the that we wanted to support the new pastor. Um, and uh, we, it was a church with five pews on each side. It was tiny. There wasn't really a kids program. And I was 11. And at this particular church, you had the children's ministry stopped at 10. It was, and the and the and the youth ministry started at 12. 12. And I'm like, and I was I was 11. And I was and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I was like, and I was I didn't want to be in the children's ministry. I wanted to be in the youth ministry. And they were like, sorry, we what have. What kind a- of a church does that? What kind of a church is like? We go to ten and we start it. at twelve, and so there's nothing there was for an eleven year old. They had a new youth pastor that they brought <clears throat> up from the southeastern college, and so the guy had to be twenty one years old. Sure, you know, and so he used. To, I don't know. I don't know what his thinking was. Uh, uh, this did inform me as to how I led as a youth pastor, because I vividly remembered this experience and was like, this doesn't make any sense. He goes, well, we have to draw a line somewhere. And so that's where we draw a line. I said, why don't you back that line up? Because you've left me completely out. What about the children's ministry? Like, couldn't they have gone to the age of 11? They could have, but but number one, I was at that point, I didn't, I didn't. And so I was angry. So I was angry. So that happened. I was angry. We and then in school, I'd gone to junior high, and um, you're so you're in the middle of adolescence, and so I began. I just I just began swearing, and I just was angry with the Lord. I uh, got involved in you know I was exposed to other things you know. Um, so you the, weren't serving God, and I wasn't serving God for the time I was eleven and twelve, and really thirteen. And then around and 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 so someone could look and go, oh well, you were just a kid. But I I I know this. I I was cognizant of what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. I was um, I wasn't walking with the Lord, and um, and you know I would uh, probably when I was so I was thirteen and I wanted to start to do right things. Let me say I wanted to do. I was like, okay, I need to stop swearing. This I is stupid. I want to do right things. Yeah, I, I just want to. So I was, you know, you define again. I, you know, I defined that I was a believer by what I didn't do, rather. Than, so I wanted to stop swearing and things like that. But I wasn't really hungry for the Lord. wasn't passionate for the Lord. And so, the summer of 1990, I was 15 years old. It was between my uh, freshman and sophomore year of high school. Um, you know. At that point, I'm not struggling with any of that stuff, but I'm just not really serving the Lord. So, and um, we have we have a good youth pastor down there. So we had a youth retreat. We went up, and I remember we go up to we go up to um, to, to do this youth retreat. We're going to go whitewater rafting on the Nantahala River in in um, in the mountains of North Carolina. And so we get up there, and we're in these cabins, and then so they show us the schedule for the week. And the schedule has like, we're having like 
services like a morning session and an afternoon session and an evening session like camp like camp that's what it was but i didn't know i thought we were going white water white White water water waffing white water rafting and um and so i was like oh good grief it's like we're having services all the time um and um and so so uh, that first night we were at a service and I just, I remember we were outside. We were outside. It was beautiful in the mountains. And I'm, I'm just sitting in a rocking chair. I'm feeling like there's a buzzing going on. Yeah. It's, it wasn't, it wasn't me. It feels like something is, and uh, but I'm still feeling, anyway, sorry. Okay. If it's coming through the podcast, I'm apologizing, but none of our phones are buzzing. I don't know. Anyway, so so, uh, I sat there that first night on kind of a rocking chair while everyone else is worshiping, and I'm just sort of like not interested, not engaged, just dry as a bone, not hungry for the Lord, not hungry to be hungry, just nothing. And um, not hungry to be hungry. Yeah, like I didn't even wasn't even like oh maybe I should. I just was like you were apathetic. Apathetic, and. and I remember the second night, so then, you know, the second night, we, uh, I had been up on the, at the top of the hill that we had, I was, I had called home, I was on a payphone, and uh, by the time I came down, I was late for the service, and, and everyone was um, worshiping, and I decided to stand up, and, and, um, and for the first time in probably, I mean, because when I was like nine and ten, and. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was so I was passionate for the Lord, and I was, but I let the anger, um, the anger of there not being a class for you that affected just, you that deeply. I huh? just I did no. It wasn't that. It was I was, I was angry about the, about moving churches. Honestly. Oh okay. I was angry about leaving all of my friends behind. I was. And why had you needed to? I don't. The remember. youth pastor of that of at Brooksville Assembly of God uh-huh. became the senior pastor at Bushnell Assembly of God. We lived in Bushnell. We lived down the street. I see. And so we So you my, followed the pastor. So my parents wanted to be a support to him as he he's 31 years old, his first pastor and and so they they felt like okay, this is good and 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 I understand that now. Sure, yeah. And um No, I don't think you're still holding resentments about I'm, your 11-year-old okay. self. Um yeah, I'm okay. And so I, it, I think it was a combination of things. I just had become that was the launching point. I, I wasn't still angry. I was, I was over it. I was just, you know. And I don't think I expressed my anger either to my parents. I didn't complain about it. I just. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we're kids, we don't often. It's not until we're older I, teenagers yeah. that we realize we even yeah. can have a voice. And so, um, <clears throat> so anyway, I, I can't say why. I just know. Um, that I was, I stood up in that worship service and, um, I just, I raised my hands for the first time in probably four years and, (laughs) and, um, and just for reasons I just began, like it literally, I literally felt like, like there was a wall around my, like I felt this wall around my heart just kind of crumble mm-hmm. and there was joy and freedom there was like a newness and a freedom within me it was it was a a palpable experience to me and i and i repented and i surrendered to the lord and 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 it wasn't in response to any it was just the, the drawing of the holy spirit mm-hmm. and and so then i i can remember even the next day um then when we had our sessions and then you'd have to go and kind of journal or something that uh, I remember sitting by this little brook and and um, singing that song from Salty, you know, how I want to be Lord just like you. Mm-hmm. And so that song is is intimately tied to that what I really consider my salvation experience, because it was from that day forward that I was like, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life, Lord. And I wanted to, that's where I developed that, that, you know, over that next year, I read my Bible. I began to read my Bible. I began to develop a prayer life. I began to, um, 
you know, to carry my Bible to school so I could share, share with people just as, and, and the Lord began to do a real transformational work in me. And then in fact, then going into that year, that's when my friends from in high school, um, abandoned, like they, I wouldn't let them cheat off my tests. I wouldn't let them do things. And so, and then they started getting into drinking and this kind of thing. And I wasn't interested. So suddenly I would, I found myself one day sitting alone in the, in the lunchroom, which for me was like torment, you know, but it was during that year. I mean, I I know this is my salvation experience, but it was during that sophomore year of high school that was really painful for me. It was, I was, I felt so isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, but that was where I actually became really strong in the Lord. That's where I would come home from school and my home felt like this spiritual haven nobody would be home my dad would be at work my mom was still driving home from work my sister wasn't home yet and so i'd come home and and this was when new there were new like praise and worship tapes and cds it wasn't a regular thing in the 80s you know it was like and so my dad um i think my mom had tapes she probably did i wasn't aware of them let me say this right uh and so and so there were a bunch of them at the house that i discovered uh, my dad had them because they had been sent to him by Hosanna Integrity for the prison and whatnot for him to use there. And so he had them at the house too. And so I would come home and I'd begin to listen to this praise and worship music. And and that's really where my relationship with God began um, to develop. So That's a really so beautiful that's, story. That's me. I mean, it's like not a story. Like, that's a good story. I mean, like, that's a really, yeah. that's a, it's very clear and defined. Like, you, you remember... Um, and you have this really powerful emotional experience and all of that. I don't have that kind of story. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I don't know, maybe something's wrong with me. Um, I just remember, um, you know, I know in, for me, like, like Giovanni got saved, like truly saved at three years old. Right. Like it was like life changing. <laughs> he stopped he, throwing fits. He stopped throwing fits. I mean, he went from being a terrible temper tantrum person and was just all over the place. And then uh, I prayed with him. He received Jesus into his heart, and he truly had a transformation. And he was three. However, um, he did he had he did throw a fit at Silver Dollar City. Well, that was that. He got saved after that. Oh, was it? It was after. Oh, that, okay. Yeah. yeah, he had not yet been sanctified. <laughs> so uh, my story is, um, I mean, I don't know that there was ever. One, I mean, I have lots of stories of these incredible things that God did in my life, but. Um, it just feels like for me, this has been like one long journey. Um, you know, when I was little, my mom would talk to me all the time about Jesus. You know, they were, you know, in ministry and, and for my parents, they were the first generation of their families to get saved. And so it was this really big deal. And not that it isn't a big deal, but it was this really emotionally powerful thing that changed the course of history for for our families, you know? And so when I was little, uh, you know, my mom would talk about Jesus and how when she got saved, it changed her life. And she found that she had a best friend and it was like this really amazing thing. So I don't know when I started asking Jesus to come into my heart, but I did start at some point. I just remember like going down to the altar many times I can hear my brother in my head going that's because you had to get saved that many times (laughs) um but I remember one time we were at this church and the uh, there was an altar call and in the children's ministry and and I went down and I asked Jesus to come into my heart and and when my mom came to pick me up they were like oh we have such good news for you and they told her you know she asked Jesus to come be in her heart. And my mom was like, yeah, she does that at like every church we go to, you know, because I was waiting for this powerful life changing thing that my mom had said happened to her. This emotional experience. Yeah. And because it wasn't happening or I, I mean, I just didn't, I didn't, I mean, I don't know how sinful I was before that. My mom would probably tell you that I definitely needed Jesus, but I, I mean, of course we all do, but, <laughs> but, but I, you noticeably did. I, yeah, I, okay. I'll just own that. I noticeably needed the Lord. Um, but I don't, I remember just really wanting this, this movement. Now it was, it was the, the eighties. And so everything was like powerful. You know, you went to a service and it was powerful. You went to church and it was power, like all of these things, but I wasn't getting like 
any of that. So I kept, I really wanted the Lord. I really wanted the Lord to come live in my heart, but I wasn't feeling like that. I was having that major, major moment. And um, the only thing I can remember is, because, you know, I, I just did that for a very long time. And, uh, but when I was, uh, I think nine years old, my mom took me to this, um, I mean, it wasn't a tent revival service. It was in a building, but it certainly felt that way. And uh, so I'm, I'm in there and I would sit and listen. I mean, we would fall asleep at church. My mom would have us there so long, you know, for different speakers and conferences and everything. I remember crawling under the pews. Me too, rolling. Yeah, like rolling you could go straight. Yeah, you could go straight down, especially if there was an angle, like a little bit yep. of a slide. Yep, absolutely. And if there were no feet in your way, you could make it all the way down. You didn't think about the fact, though, that at some point you were going to have to stand up and. I, if I stood up when I rolled down to the bottom. Oh, wait, you did that during the service? Yeah, during the service. Well, that I was for afterward when no, mom's in yeah. choir practice. No, this is probably why my mom was like, this child needs the Lord. <laughs> no, like I I was, I, I couldn't focus. I had, it was before I didn't do you that could. during the service. I know, it was before. <laughs> I'm sorry, Antonio. I think you get it from me, actually, now that I think about it. Um, I, I had ADHD from sure. a very young age, uh, you know, and it was undiagnosed. And so I was very all over the place, touching everything, you know, um, I couldn't Stapling focus. Yeah. I, we talked about that on the podcast. I did. Yeah. yeah we did. So stupid stuff <laughs> like that. Like I did dumb stuff. And so, um, you know, I mean, I would have thought there'd be a, I mean, I think that you look at a kid like me and you're like, yeah, she does need the Lord. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to trust that he's in my heart, I guess. But I remember when I was nine, we went to this revival service and and the guy was preaching. And of course, they do the altar call and they're doing the altar call for being filled with the Holy Spirit. And my mom's like, you know, come on, let's go down. And I, I recognize as a mom, the desire for your child to um, be filled like that with to have that the neck. gift of speaking in tongues and all of that. Um, I was, I'm not naturally a in front of people person, if I can stay in the background, if nobody ever sees me, like I'm perfectly fine with that. And so <clears throat> not that that's what God has for me, but I would be perfectly fine with that. So she really wanted me to go down at the front and I really did not want to. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just a little too self-focused even back then, but I just didn't want to. It felt embarrassing. And she was like, Rivka, come on. And I was like, no, I don't want to go down. She's like, Rivka, come on. And so she was like trying to drag me down to the front. You know, my mom like is a force of nature. She's like, this is a need. And so she will make it happen. And so I needed this. And, and I don't disagree, but she was really pulling me down to the front to where finally like one of the ushers or something came up and was like, ma'am, she doesn't want to go down. She doesn't want to go. And my mom, I remember being super irritated with me, was like, oh, fine. Okay, fine. And like looking at me like, you little sinner or something, yeah. you know, like I was just like, okay, I just, I did not want to go down. And I remember that night I was in my bedroom and I got tucked in because I'm only nine years old and I'm lying there and I was just talking to the Lord because I would talk to him every night. Mm -hmm. I would have... I would have major conversations with the Lord. I never, again, I never felt like I had this massive move of the Holy Spirit in my life and all yeah, these things like happened. Paul getting knocked off his horse. Yeah, I, I, would, I would have loved that. <laughs> no, I would. I, well, actually, I have had a similar experience, but it was later on in my life. Sure. So I was, uh, I was lying there and I just said, um, you know, Lord, I just, I really didn't want to go down to the front. But if you want to fill me with the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues, like if you want to give me that gift, you can give me that gift. And instantly I was filled and I could, and I just immediately erupted with speaking in tongues. And I was like, oh, okay. And what I learned in that moment was, um, you know, you don't, you don't need all of that. All you of that. You need all the histrionics. And the... Well, you know, people can have a massive move of the Holy Spirit in their lives and the privacy of their bedroom. Sure. It, it doesn't have to always be you know, uh, at, at a big meeting. I think a lot of people like the big meeting. Me personally, um, I just was, I, I loved the privacy of my room. And so I remember that happening, but I still like after that, like I was really, I really struggled. Um, I had, you know, my learning disabilities and ADHD and nobody understood that. And so I was in trouble all the time, like all the time. I was in the principal's office 
all the time. Um, I didn't do well in school. And I think in those days, that was a, that was a, um, like when you had those issues, like people would be like, she doesn't pay attention. She daydreams all the time. You know, the things that we recognize now, but in those days, I think they would have seen that as me just being like, honestly, this like bad kid, Mm -hmm. you know? And there were people that told me you're a bad little girl, you know, and you start to believe that. And then when, um, but I did on some level, I don't remember, again, I don't remember having this, like, this, uh, I just, I always loved God. I always had a relationship with him. I could always talk to him, but I remember not always feeling like um, it was this legalistic thing of, and I'm not saying, like, you were legalistic. Sure, I'm but saying this clear moment. This, well, but this legalistic thing of, like, I have my 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 salvation wasn't defined in what I did or didn't do. It hadn't been defined to me like that. Mm-hmm. It was just you ask the Lord to come up in your heart, and then you have a relationship with Him. Um, I wasn't a bad kid. I was very very sheltered. We didn't watch television. I got to watch cartoons on Saturdays if we didn't have services on Saturdays. You know, I was in bed every night by eight o'clock. You know, so I had a really. I went to Christian schools. You know, so I had a pretty sheltered life. Um, but it, and then we, uh, you know, I knew when we went, my parents took me at 14. Was I 14? Yeah. Or 13, I think, because I was 14 when we moved to Israel. Yeah, you were 14, right? You moved to Israel in January of 89. Right. So what is it, the so, previous, uh, yeah, so it was right before my 15th birthday. Anyways, so we moved to Israel, and um, I was excited to move to Israel. I knew that the Lord had spoken to me when we went on a tour there. I knew the Lord had spoken to me who I was going to marry. I knew he, I knew we were, yeah, I knew we were going to move to Israel. And I knew all of that before my parents even told me we were going to move there. I had gone home that evening and I told them where the Lord told me I'm moving to Israel and my parents had just been invited to move to Israel. So, um, but then once I, once I got to Israel, you know, it was a very, very different environment. It was incredibly secular and I had grown up really, really sheltered. And I was already struggling with identity because I wasn't Jewish, but I was raised Jewish. We were, we were Messianic, so we weren't, we weren't Christian and we weren't Jewish. And then I moved to a country where I didn't even know how to say yes or no in. Uh, my name was Rivka, but I wasn't Jewish. Like I always had to, if I didn't tell somebody I'm not Jewish and they found out after the fact that I wasn't Jewish, they felt like somehow I had deceived them. or Just by telling them. them your name. Just by, yeah, just by, I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, my name, yeah, I lived in yeah. Israel, my name was Rivka, and everything I did. Why would anyone think why would, otherwise? Yeah, why would any anyone think otherwise? So, so that was hard for me, and I think I kind of lost my way in the sense that whatever trajectory I had been on, I was now off of, and I was on a different trajectory, because they weren't my choices, this was just what I was doing, kind of like you didn't have a choice of what church you were going to. Your parents just took you to a different church. So as a teenager, you know, um, I just really decided I don't like this. I don't care for this. I really like what I'm seeing um, in the secular environment. I like my friends. This is a lot of fun. So I really um, began to just rebel. I began to rebel against my parents. I began to rebel against the Lord. And I say rebel against the Lord because I knew that I wasn't serving God. And I had a moment in my bedroom where I was getting ready to go out that night. And there was no drinking age in Israel at the time. I don't know if there's one now. But there was no drinking age in Israel at the time. And we would go out on Saturday nights and we would have tons of fun. Um, I didn't get drunk and stuff, but we had tons of fun and we would go to clubs and everything like that. And so um, and so I, I remember one time I was getting ready to go out and... Uh, and I, I really heard the Lord say, you know, Rivka, what are you doing? Where are you going? You know, why, why are you doing this? And I looked up because I could always hear his voice throughout my entire life. There's only been two times where for me, he went silent on me. I could always hear his voice. And so I looked up and I said, leave me alone. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And he didn't go silent, but he let me go because that was a choice I was making. And so, um, and that's a really scary thing to think about the fact that I like was like, yeah, this is what I'm doing and leave me alone. It was a very conscious choice and thank God nothing happened to me and he protected me. 
And, you know, I started, I had my high school boyfriend and I was doing what I wanted to do. And I don't ever remember feeling bad about it. I don't remember feeling convicted. I don't remember feeling, um, I don't remember feeling bad about anything. I remember being really, really happy. I remember enjoying my life to the fullest because honestly, I was feeding my flesh. I was doing what I wanted to do and it feels good. I mean, I, I, uh, I had no guilt. I had, uh, I didn't feel bad for what I was causing my mother in heartache. I didn't feel bad for my, for whatever, if my dad was, you know, worried about me. I didn't worry about any of that. I just did what I wanted to do. And so, um, I did that until I was, well, I was like 17 and we went to this conference and I'm sure my mother was like, I remember my mother in those days being like your prayer, your, your, um, what is it called? Like your, your, um, not your prayer language, but your prayer life, your prayer life never gets as strong as when you're praying for your children. Right. So I'm sure my mom was like, you know, really, really worried about me and interceding and and yeah. And all of that. So we went to this conference thing and I was just angry. I was angry because I was angry. Oh man, I got to tell you this. I know this isn't about salvation. However, I, I, I pulled so away from the Lord. Watch, people are not going to like me after this. I pulled so away from the Lord. And when you pull that far, when you pull, like you're either with the Lord or you're not with the Lord. There's no middle ground. And I think a lot of people think, well, I'm okay. You're with or you're not. And I was not with the Lord. And I was in full rebellion. And rebellion is as witchcraft because you are serving the enemy. You're not serving the Lord. And so Jonathan and I, because Jonathan was a lot like you. Jonathan's my younger brother, who everyone thinks is my older brother, but I was born first and he's 18 months younger than me. And Jonathan was a good kid. Like Jonathan took his Bible to, to, to school and he was alone because, you know, I remember him being kind of brokenhearted about how he was alone and he felt so lonely and he had his Bible with him and everything. And I admired that. I thought that was really nice, but I was like the extreme opposite where he had like nobody I had friends where he was alone. I had people around me all the time. And so, and he didn't seem very happy to me, but you know, I was. And so, but, um, so one day there was this fight and I can't remember, I might've been sneaking out. I might've gotten caught somehow, but my brothers would always go inform my parents as to what I was doing for the most part. So then I was in trouble and this time I was in trouble again and I was really, really angry And I remember we're in the living room of our home and I am yelling and I'm angry and my mom's yelling at me. Or maybe she wasn't. Maybe she was just totally grieved. I don't know. Jonathan is like sitting on a step and he's concerned. He's like, it's almost like a protective angry concern like he wasn't angry with me like we were fighting like siblings he was like what are you doing he's angry about this what what's going about the situation like like what are you doing with your life like what you you know why so he had told on me and I was really angry and I remember looking down at myself I was no longer like present in my it's like you could see yourself I could see it's like I yeah I could see myself from outside of myself and I could see my mom and I could see my brother and that's still how I see things maybe that's where the phrase beside yourself comes from maybe maybe anyway go on so but I wasn't beside myself as in like grief or hysteria I just I I remember looking down and being able to see myself and I walked over to my brother and I was really angry I walked over to my brother and I leaned down and I whispered in his ear, you will leave me alone and you won't do this again or I will come to you and slit your throat in your sleep. And the podcast got real dark, real <laughs> fast. And there's a ter- I remember my brother looking at me with such like, oh my gosh, like he was, and I too, looking down when I did that, I too was like, what is happening? Like what? And I, and I turned around and I walked upstairs to my room. And as I'm walking upstairs to my room, I'm thinking, what is happening right now? Like that wasn't me. I don't remember making the conscious thought of doing that. I lost so much self-control and I was in so much rebellion and there was so much influence over me that I really was not controlling myself at all. And 
you know, whether I think there are people that be like, she was demonized. I don't know about all of that. All I know is, is my experience in that situation. So I was really angry. (laughs) I was really, really angry. My brother was terrified of me. I think he started sleeping with his door locked and all of that. (laughs) Poor, my poor brother. He's such a good guy and a good kid. I don't think there's ever been a moment in his life where he wasn't like good. And I don't think I inherited a whole lot of that. But um, so we went to this conference, you know, and I was at the back of the, I was at the back of the sanctuary and it was, the room was filled with everybody from all over that part of the world that would come to get ministered to. Cause you know, you're, you're, um, missionaries from everywhere and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I'm afraid to actually say the word because it was such you're a taboo to thing missionary. to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm at the back. In Israel, you're not, if they find out you're missionaries, they would They'll expel kick you. you out. Yeah. So it's you not an, op- it's the... a closed country. Right. Um, so I remember standing at the back and the Lord, you know how he knows our hearts? So exteriorly, and I'm feeling all this rage and anger and all that, but deep, deep, deep down inside, I did want him. That little girl that yeah, that little girl that, that just kept getting saved over and over again and talked to him. And in there. Yeah, I mean, right. And so I did want him. I could not get to him. I could not find him because I was so lost. And so I'm standing there and I'm so angry. And I remember I'm at the back. I've got my arms crossed. I have that 17-year-old attitude face, I'm sure. I would never, ever want to know me to be proud. Like, the reason I struggle with teenagers is because I remember when I was a teenager and I wouldn't have liked me as a teenager. (laughs) Um, So I was standing in the back. My arms are crossed. I'm so angry. And I said to the Lord, you know what? If you're so real and you're so great and you want me, then I want that pastor. And he was in the, this guy was in the middle of a sermon and he's preaching and everything. I said, I want that pastor to stop preaching, to walk down here, to lay his hand on my head. And I want to hear from you. And instantly the preacher stopped preaching, marched all the way down the aisle I mean, I was terrified. <laughs> like, I was like, oh no. He came, I mean, he came marching at me. He laid his hand on my head and he said, daughter of God, you need to repent. And I dropped to my knees and I was like, okay. Like, I'm like, so I did have that major yeah, thing. Yeah, well, <laughs> I haven't had a real experience. Well, I mean, like, the- it was like, it, you know, so... And from that moment on, um, the Lord began to just work in me. It didn't, I was not an overnight work. I, I wanted the Lord, but it was a struggle. Some people can be delivered instantly. And I think it, it took me a little bit, but then the Lord took me to the United States and, uh, you know, I went through a great deal of pain. It's all a part of my testimony. I went through a great deal of pain and, um, and then the Lord, wherever he told me to go though, I would do and I would go, even if I didn't want to. And then I gave him all my choices and my whole will and yeah, I everything. Say, I think that I think you know the story of what happened uh, just before you and I met in your prayer closet there right. is is a, another significant right yeah uh, but that's when he so you can share that I think I have I think I have another well, like when we were talking about it. our lives well you know I was serving him I lived in California for a while and uh, well I had gone to Minnesota to go to school for a year so I had. Uh, my boyfriend and I had broken up. We had been in, I, that I had in Israel. That was really, really hard for me. We were high school sweethearts and we'd been together all through high school. So that was really, really hard for me. I was now living in Minnesota, going to a Christian school. I missed Sukkot and the high holidays and couldn't believe, like I looked at my calendar and those holidays had gone by and I couldn't believe that somehow I didn't just like know yeah. that they were taking place and oh, it's Sukkot and oh, we need to do this. Like I just... They just went by and no one even informed me. So I was this I was in this really Christian environment for the first time in my life and I was again really struggling with my identity. Like who in the world am I? Am I Greek? Am I Jewish? Am I American? Like I just couldn't figure out who I was. And so I finally decided, okay, you know what? My name is Rebecca on my birth certificate. So I am Rebecca Gannon and I, what? Becky. Be- no, I am not Becky. It was going to be Becca, if anything. I am not Becky. Anyway, 
So I just decided I was Greek American and my name was Rebecca and that's what I decided was who 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 I was going to be. And uh, I lived on my own and then my mom and dad came back from Israel and my mom told me, you know, they were moving to, um, where were they moving? They were moving to Missouri. Yeah. They were moving to Missouri. And she's like, Rivka, I th- really think you should come live with us. And I said, yeah, no, I'm not leaving California. I had tons of friends. I really liked my life in California, mm-hmm. even though there were some really painful moments. And my mom's like, no, I really feel like the Lord's told me that, uh, that you're, that you're going to move to live with us. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she's like, look, just pray about it, okay? Just pray about it. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll pray about it. And the second I said, okay, I, I'll pray about it, I knew instantly I was moving to Missouri. And I cried, I think, for three days. I so did not want to go. But I ended up going to Missouri. And in Missouri, I was miserable. I was missing my friends. I didn't have a church. I was isolating myself. I think I was really struggling with um, depression on some level because I really did not want to be there. When people say that when God calls us to do what God wants us to do, we will have a desire for it. I really have not experienced that that often. And then I feel bad because I think, well, is it me? Is it? But if you read the Bible, most people in the Bible that God calls to something, it's not like they have this huge desire for it. So I don't feel so bad about that. But I, I, I didn't, um, I, I didn't want to be there. So I went, uh, I just, one day, I hadn't unpacked any of my boxes. I'd been there like, I'd been there a bit. And I hadn't unpacked any of my boxes or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, I uh, was so unhappy and so miserable. I really got to the point where I felt the pressure of so much. I felt like I was going to die. It's just, it's just what it felt like to me. And so I was like, okay, God and I need to have this out. You know, because I was doing the whole thing that everybody does where it's just like, I'm blessed. God is so good. You know, life is so, you know, the Lord gives me so much. And they just speak positive all the time to the point where you don't feel like you can speak negative, that your pain and your grief is somehow a lack of faith. So I think I had been doing that, but I was really, really, I was really, really upset. And um, I was upset with everything, I guess. And so I went into my closet. It was this big walk-in closet. I took my pillow. I went into my closet and I got on my knees and the Lord said to me, okay, Rivka, he said, I know you're angry with me. You know you're angry with me. I need you to tell me what. I need you to tell me. And so I was angry with the Lord about things that I didn't even realize I was angry about that were just coming right out of me. It went all the way back to when I was a little girl, like little, little girl that I was completely unaware of. And I just began to unload and unload my grievances, my anger. You know, my grandfather had passed away and I adored my grandfather. I was angry about that. I was angry that I had to move to Israel. I was angry I had to leave Israel. I was like angry about so many things. And the Lord just let me completely just vent and vent and vent. And he said to me, um, do you love me? And I said, yes, I love you. And he said, um, I'm trying to remember now because my brain is like all fuzzy. But he said, like, do you love me? He asked me three times, do you love me? And I said, yes, I love you. And he said, then serve me. And I said, I am going to serve you. And he said, are you, he said, he asked me for my will. He asked me for my choices. He asked me for everything, that everything moving forward from that moment on, he wanted to be in complete control of. And I said, okay, but you've got to help me because I am miserable. You've got to help me. And in that moment, the Lord filled me with joy. I'd never experienced joy like that. I don't know that I've ever experienced it like that uh, again since then, but it was this joy that so profoundly filled me that I literally thought, I felt like it was pitch black in there, so I don't know, but I felt like I was floating. Like I felt like I, because I was sitting crisscross applesauce, you know, like whatever, Mm -hmm. and I felt like I lifted up and I was floating. I felt such a release of everything. And then I knew my time with the Lord was over. It had been three hours at that point, And I was right. unaware that it had been three hours. And I came outside my closet and everything looked different. The sunshine was different. My room looked different. Nothing had changed, but I had changed. Right. And everything was different. And then the next weekend, um, I met you. 
and uh you know the yeah. rest is history the rest is history so so that's uh yeah. you know and i still i still have my moments with the lord where i'm just very very human i don't ever feel condemned by the lord for frustration or anger or my humanity yeah. he's my friend who loves me unconditionally and even if i didn't agree even when i'm angry about something even even if i was like i don't like any of this what i do know and what i do believe is that he is the sovereign god of the universe so it's really irrelevant honestly what i think and how i feel about things because he's god so ultimately whatever he wants that's it he knows Done. better he knows better right i my flesh struggles with it my spirit is always willing but my flesh really drags your feet so do our kids <laughs> right they don't think we know better right yeah right but we know better we do he knows better yeah and yeah. Uh, so, yeah. and so I think even in that, you know, just in, it's it's coming to this place of responding to the prompting of the Lord by surrendering, surrendering your anger, surrendering your the bitterness, surrendering the your will, and saying, okay, I I release it, I let go, I I lift my life to you, and it's and it's and and yeah, you have these two different experiences that are not. Um, uh, you know, they're not like this textbook, uh, ABC, accept, well, believe. Each one of know, us admit, is so believe, different. believe, confess. It's, it's not about this. It's about ultimately surrendering your life to the Lord, putting your faith and letting Yeshua be Lord of your life. Um, but he works with us in different ways. And and uh, and uh, and so it's, yeah, it's not every, everyone doesn't have the same experience well, and we, that's the beauty of it. Right. I mean, nobody has the same experience in the same family. Yeah. We are all just very different. So in the same way, I have to be a different mother to each one of my five children. Yeah. God deals with each one of us the same. He loves mm -hmm. us the same. He keeps the same standards, but he, because he loves us, he works with us where we're right. at. And I just, I, I'm, I admire your good boy life like the whole life long. I think that's fabulous. And, uh, uh sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Was... <laughs> right. Well, it was real. It was, yeah, absolutely. It was real. It I was think real. Giovanni's was three real. year old experience was, it was real rebellion. Real. I don't care what anybody says. I, I know where I, I know I wasn't walking with the Lord. I may have been a kid, but I was willfully not walking with the Lord. And, and, um, but he was gracious to me. And, uh, you know, there's no, I don't think there's anyone. There's no scars from it, right? You know, I don't think that um, there's anyone that's too young for the Lord to totally be there for and walk with them through things, and none of us are too old to. Where it's you know, too late. Where it's too late, right? Yeah. Or has done too much to where it's too late. All right. Well. So. Well, that was fun. Well, that was a deep one this week. Yeah. Wow. What was our first question again? Yeah, I don't even remember. What was that? <laughs> it was quick. Ah, ah, right. Yeah, there we yeah. go. All right. Discipline and empathy. All right. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom, shalom. Have a beautiful day.